everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, it's Pat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Today, we have with us an actor, uh, Mike Manning. But a little twist in that he was on a reality TV show uh, before his acting career, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, um... Wasn't it, like, acting on the show? <laughs> um, you know, and that's a question I want to ask, because you hear that a lot about reality TV. They always say, you know, it's, like, scripted uh, or edited so much that it, that it changes the plot uh, or, you know, what's the reality. It, it changes it so much. Because, really, you could you could take any situation and edit it to to appear the way you want it to, right? Yeah, of course. And so I'm very curious to see, um, you know, how he feels about that and and what was his experience with it. But we we haven't had, uh, have we had any reality TV people before? Um, You know, I think we might have, but I don't remember who. Yeah, um... Well, this is, I think, how he got his start um, into acting. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see. Do you, um, do you like reality TV shows? Do you watch them? I, I don't wa- watch a lot of TV. Period. So I'm going to say no. Well, I've been sucked into a lot of them over time. Um, you know, I. Um, What's your like, what's your favorite at the moment? Well, like right now, I'm not really. Um, I don't really have any. Uh, I'm not watching any. But you know, I've watched the Kardashians. Oh uh, Lord! Teen <laughs> Mom. Uh, I've watched Thirty Day Fiance. I've watched that. Um, you know, what's the one like Married at First Sight or whatever? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, I mean, I've watched all kinds of shows like that. Uh, Kate, Kate plus eight. Um, you know, when when she's still married to John, and after, you know, like all that. Um, Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, you know, uh, Dance Moms. I mean, I could just go on and on with like I'm just sucked right into reality TV. Oh, Brett Michaels. What was that one where you know? Oh, Rock uh, of Love. Yes, Rock of Love. I was sucked into that one too. Oh, I think geez. I love him. <laughs> but uh, The Bachelor, you know, Bachelorette. I mean, so a lot of them, you know, I have watched. Um, so what one well, didn't you watch? <laughs> uh, well, one that the most current one that I watched would be Sister Wives. Oh, okay. So, you know, like they're all splitting up and leaving Cody finally. Yay. Except for <laughs> one, the favorite Robin. Uh, not my favorite, but, you know, it appears to be his favorite. Um, so, you know, I, I also, though, like a Dateline, you know, where they like, not Dateline, but um, 
you know, catch hours. a predator or whatever, yeah. where they go and like, you know, trick pe- like people that are going to show up and you know meet underage. Kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, I you know, I watch those kind too, and you know, I, I just, I don't know, I'm fascinated by people and people's stories and you know how crazy things get, but. I'm also like very skeptical of most of it. I'm always like, you know, this is uh, not really the way it happens. This is just like for ratings. Yeah, I'm sure that happens in a lot of cases. Um, yeah. Did you watch a real world? Uh, so I have watched some episodes of that, um, you know, at different seasons, but I don't think I ever. I watched the whole season. It's kind of like Survivor and all of that, too. You know, I'll, like, start and then, you know. Then there'll be another reality show on that you have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, the ones that you have watched, do you, like, are you sucked in at all to them? Or? Yeah, of course. I mean, I watched, uh, I remember watching a few of the seasons of The Real World on MTV when that first came out because it was new and interesting and, uh, you know, and then, like, all the other networks picked up on it and they tried to have, you know, similar types of shows and, um now it's just like so saturated with all the different ones that are on that it's like I don't yeah I don't watch it anymore I think like in some ways it seemed like that TV became reality TV like there was more reality TV shows than you know like yeah. ones that made up or wrote yeah I mean like when MTV's uh, had the first season of uh, the real world I mean after that they stopped showing like music videos and it wasn't MTV anymore it was like RTV reality TV yeah, <laughs> yeah you know I didn't I missed that because um, I you know I loved music videos yeah I mean they still have other channels that are devoted to music but certainly not the way it was in the beginning for sure. No. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll be curious about that, you know, as to uh, how much of it he felt was scripted. And also, you know, was it, what was it about that show um, that made him want to continue, you know, on TV or movies, like in a career of acting? Uh, what, you know, was it a good experience, a bad experience? I mean, that's another question for you. Like, um, you know, if you were on a reality show, would you feel like that would be a good experience for you or a bad one? Um, it depends. I, I don't know if, like, like, I would be a good character or a bad one. And then, like, then there's the whole, like... Uh, how the public responds to you and that sort of thing. Well, and you've got like a camera in your face, like, you yeah. know, yeah. every, your every place. So everything, you know, you do, like you have no privacy and 
I just wonder, like, you know, how would that really be? Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yes, so he is very popular with um, a lot of Disney, um, Disney Plus, I believe, um, TV shows, too. He was also also on, uh, maybe he still is, I don't know, but um, also on uh, one of the soap operas, I believe. Yes, and we're going to actually, uh, in the group, um, you know, have a poll about the favorites uh, to see if they liked him better in reality TV or, you know, Disney or, or uh, like, all the different things. And, you know, he's um, he's definitely easy to look at. He's um, got that look um, that, you know, uh, just someone that you would think, like, needs to be on TV. Um, he definitely <laughs> okay. Very photogenic. And, you know, I think that. That's obvious to everyone. So, you know, I um, I can't wait to talk to him and to see, like, um, you know, what it is it like to to have a life where you're a reality star, a soap opera star, a Disney star. You know, yeah, yeah, like all of that is is very. Uh, very interesting to me and and how how do you deal with that and then you know what do you do next like yeah i think he's uh uh, i think he's got a new movie coming out well um i also wonder like how much of like if you stay on a reality show for a while coming back out into the real world uh, from the real world (laughs) (laughs) you know um like what kind of adjustment is that? Like, are you still like, you know, like, are you still like posing for the kid, you know, looking around for right, camera? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, get the side, you know. Um, right. Oh, oh, I can use the bathroom without a camera. <laughs> yes, or I need to make drama here, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we need this shot, you know. <clears throat> I, I imagine it would be an adjustment to come back. Yeah, because I think it, it's like 24-7 for however long, at least three, four months, I would guess. Well, I can't wait to, uh, you know, just hear all about that. So, you know, we have a million questions, and I'm sure he's going to have a million one answers. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, let's talk to him and find out. Mike Manning, I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. We're really uh, honored to have you as our guest today. Well, thank you very much, and I am honored to be here. So, you have the movie um, The Way Out, which is premiering um, digitally on February 10th, and we definitely want to hear all about that, um, and we have a lot of questions, but... Um, since we are backstory sessions, I'd like to get a little bit of your backstory first. Um, where did you grow up? Are you originally from California or? No, no, no. So I grew up um, in Colorado. Uh, so that's where I spent most of my life. I was born in Florida, but we moved to Colorado when I was really young. And um, and that's where I, I guess, quote unquote, became a person. 
And uh, and I was always interested in theater. I, I would do theater and, and acting uh, from a young age. And, and just because I loved that escapism and I loved using my imagination like that. But I, in my mind, I didn't have any professional actors that were making a living being actors. I didn't have them in my orbit. So it never really crossed my mind that I was even able to make a living as a professional actor. And then I was going to school for business. And um, and my best friend at the time, John, he came up to me and he said, hey, Mike, there's this open casting call for a reality show. Uh, will you come with me and help me get on the show? Because I know you used to do auditions and stuff. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever. I didn't really think much of it. And I followed him to get on the show. And uh, in the in the old, you know, Johnny Depp fashion, they they cast me in fr- instead of my friend. <laughs> and uh, and then the rest is history. And I, you know, I, I, even at that time, I don't think that I knew just how dramatically my life would change. So I did the show, and the show's called Real World. It was on MTV, and yeah. um, and it's an unscripted reality show. And then I I was actually finishing college while the show was airing i still didn't realize how much that show would change my life and i had an agent i'm sorry a manager reach out to me from los angeles and he said hey i saw you on the show i think you have a great look do you have any acting experience and i said well i haven't really done it since i was little i used to do theater and and um and plays and everything like that and he said well i think you should move to los angeles and he gave me this whole thing on how he was going to make me famous in six months. And I, you know, would move to Los Angeles and I would be the next big movie star. And um, and I believed him and I packed up my car and I drove out to Los Angeles. And um, certainly didn't happen in six months. But uh, <laughs> a decade later, I think I'm pretty happy with where things have ended up. Oh, what did your family think when you told them that you're moving you know, in six months you're going to be a big star. And um, were yeah, they, they hated the idea. They hated it. They, uh, my mom, I'm a sort of a mama's boy, so my mom was sad to have me leave the house. And my father used to. He's in business, but he, when he was younger, he was a, a musician. So I think they released their first album when he was like 14, and uh, for a good chunk of his life he thought that he was going to be a professional musician and then it didn't work out that way for him. So he understood what it felt like to pursue a dream and then to sort of go back to having a quote unquote real job. And, um, and so, you know, he was like, Mike, it's going to be really challenging. I don't, you know, and I was a good student. I had a lot going for me in terms of job prospects. And so he was being a good dad and he was like, Mike, I think that you should take one of these jobs and, and really, um, you know, focus on sort of using your brain in other ways. And so they were both discouraging me in in their own way. And um, it wasn't until I had lived here for maybe three years, and I booked my first bigger project. It was on Disney Channel. It was a movie called Cloud Nine. It was a snowboarding movie. And I think that was the turning point for my parents when they saw me do that movie, they visited me on set in Utah, and we had a great time. And it was then that they saw me doing what I wanted to do and and making a living out of it. And, and then they sort of were like, 
oh, we always knew you could do it. We're so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. So the reality show, let's go back to that. Um, so you went with a friend to help the friend get on or to be cast. Uh, did the friendship um, survive uh, one of you being cast and not the other? Yeah, well, he visited me when I was in Washington, D.C. for the show. And so technically, I fulfilled my end of the bargain. Technically, I got him on the show. It just wasn't <laughs> in the way that he expected it. But yeah, I saw him a couple months ago. He lives in Australia now. He met um, he met a girl, and they, you know, she's Australian, and he moved there, and they have two kids now, and, and he's doing fine. So he's, um, we're still friends. We're still close. Uh, what is the experience of being on a reality TV show? What is that like? It is very intrusive. It is very, um, sometimes it just takes the energy out of you to sort of be on all the time. Um, but I think for me it was a really positive experience because it was in Washington, D.C., and that back having that backdrop portrayed us and helps the cast members sort of come off in a more intellectual sense than I think other seasons of Real World have portrayed their cast members. The season before us was Cancun, and I remember watching Cancun thinking, oh my, like, is this what it's going to be like, <laughs> partying and drinking and, you know, hooking up and stuff all the time? Like, this is kind of, this is a lot. And and my grandma's going to see this show? My parents are going to see this show? Like, what did I get myself into? But being in D.C., it was, um, it was, right on the heels of Obama being elected and everything else. And I think that MTV wanted a more um, cerebral cast and a, and a cast that was involved with some of the, you know, serious world issues that were going on at the time. So at least for me, you know, of course we had some crazies in the house and we had the, the fighting and the, you know, hooking up and everything and, you know, what makes good reality TV. But um, for the most part, for my character, they portrayed me as sort of the nice guy and the guy that had his, his stuff together. So we often hear like the editing um, makes things seem a, a little bit different than it actually happened. Um, did you feel like the reality of it came across realistically? I do because they, um, and I'm sure that other cast members in the house had a lot more to complain about than I did. Um, they, they truly did, with editing, help portray me as the good guy and the nice guy and the guy that has all this stuff together. So, yes, I agree with you. They shot us for three and a half months. Uh, you know, that's I think that's the tagline. Like, you know, eight strangers picked to live in a house, right. and their lives taped, and find out what happens. It's the drama, you know, whatever else. <laughs> and and that, that truly is the case. We would have um, cameras on us at all times, people following us around holding cameras, and then there were cameras – in the walls and the ceilings, there were microphones in our headboards and our beds. Like we had no privacy whatsoever. And the show in and of itself is a social experiment. So it's, you know, find out when, when eight strangers are put in a place and they have their phones taken away and they can't watch TV and they can't listen to the radio. The only thing that we can do is get to know each other and our likes and our dislikes and our interests and our, you know, similarities and our differences and everything else. And that sometimes it was harmonious and sometimes it wasn't. And I think that's what 
makes good TV is, you know, they would edit out all the boring moments and then they would show everybody sort of the, the more fiery moments. Sure. Did you stay in touch with your um, castmates? Did they become more than strangers over the three and a half months? They really did. So I ended up bonding with uh, a few of my cast members. And over the years, you know, I've gotten closer with some of them and re reconnected with some of them. Um, the one that I really have stayed in touch with was Emily. And uh, and she's just a wonderful person. She's just such a free spirit. Um, and, and she and I became the closest, I think, on the show. And then she ended up visiting me in Colorado. And she loved it so much that she ended up moving there. So it made it really easy for us to hang out after that because we lived in the same state. Well, I read um, that you described yourself as a pile of contradictions. So what did you mean by that? Oh, wow. Um, or yeah, is that still I mean true? That? Are you a pile of contradictions? <laughs> I think the reason that they cast me on the show or one of them is because at the time I was going through a lot of personal issues in my own life. So I was, um, you know, I was, I didn't know if I wanted to do entertainment and theater and, and that sort of thing, but I was also doing sports and I played hockey and I wrestled and I was very into sports and into um i thought i was going to go into business and i was very you know left brain in that regard and then i was going through some personal um issue you know some personal struggles figuring out myself at that time as somebody that was so young and then i might like my own sexuality and attractions and everything else but then i would i would go to church every sunday and and pray about it and then i um I, I don't know. It was just, it was, there were a lot of things in my life that back then, I think things have changed a little bit and people are viewed as being more three dimensional and having different aspects in their life. But back then, I feel like, especially on television, people expected others to sort of fit a certain mold, fit a certain archetype. And that was really it. And that was really the only breathing room that you got is, oh, you're the action guy. You're the emotional guy you're the woman that does this and you're this and this and this and and i sort of stood up and refused to prescribe to any of those and i was like no i'm somebody that does sports but i i'm also figuring out my own sexuality and i also go to church and i also have a family and friends that love me and i also do this and i also do that like i'm not gonna allow you you know the audience or whomever um is watching to put me into a box and to label me because that is the ent my entire point for doing this show is to show people that uh, that those stereotypes are often not even accurate whatsoever. Um, did you get any fan mail or letters? Um, you know, did people write to you or see you later after the show and um, give you any feedback about maybe? what you taking that stand um, meant to them? Absolutely. Yeah, I received thousands and thousands of letters. And, uh, and, and I would say 99% of them were really positive and exactly what you just said. Um, it was, you know, hey, Mike, 
thank you for taking a stand. We haven't seen a character like that on television before. You know, I, I, I was never able to identify with a character um, like you until I saw you on the show, and it means a lot to me. And Because keep in mind, this was before Glee. This was before Modern Family. This is before, yeah. you know, so many of these other shows on television that have sort of helped change stereotypes and, and change hearts and minds and expose audiences to new types of characters. This is before all that. So I think um, myself and other people, I think we were all hungry for representation in, in film and television in ways that uh, we hadn't really seen before. And, and I think the fan response was uh, reflective of that. And I imagine that you probably learned a lot about yourself as well in taking this stand and, um, you know, having that time to uh, have the platform even just to, um, you know, discover um, these things that maybe seemed contradictory at first. Yeah, I, I really do believe that. And I think that I the reason that my story was received so well on the show is because I didn't know at the time what I was doing. I didn't know that I was taking a stand. I didn't know that I would be this example for people. I just went on the show knowing that I, in my, in my heart was going through some of these things. And I, I would, I hoped that being away from home and living with these strangers and having this new experience would help me figure out some of those things. And it just so happened that as I was figuring those things out, there was a camera following me around and capturing my story. So I think yeah. that that's why audiences responded to what they, they did is because they could tell that it was genuine and I wasn't just doing it for the show. Sure. Well, and it seems like uh, over your career that you've had a lot of diversity in roles. Like, You've been in a lot of dramas. Um, you're snowboarding. Um, so do you, were you a snowboarder before? Yeah. So I grew up, in, like I said, in Colorado. And when we moved from Colorado to um, from Florida to Colorado, my parents wanted to go from being beach people to mountain people. So immediately they signed me up for skiing lessons. Uh, and so from maybe eight years old to I think 13 years old, I was skiing. And then when I was 13, all the cool kids were switching over to snowboards. So of course I switched over to snowboards, uh, snowboard and I started snowboarding. And I did that until I moved to Los Angeles, you know, in my early twenties. And then, um, and I even, I still continue to snowboard. Uh, now I'm, I'm actually going this weekend to Mammoth and I'm gonna snowboard with some buddies up there for the weekend. So uh, it's definitely something that I, I love doing. And uh, when I shot that Disney movie, one cool thing about that is that we were trained to do some of the tricks by Olympic snowboarders. So it was the best of the best that were training us to perform some of these tri tricks authentically. And, and that was fantastic because it's not every day that you get to be trained by Olympic snowboarders uh, to do some of your tricks. So that was really cool. And, I'm, and I've always... In the beginning, I think you hit on a good point. I think when, when people first move to Hollywood or New York or wherever they go to pursue entertainment, I think in the beginning, you just take every job that you can get. You're just trying to work. You're trying to make connections. You're trying to have on-set experience, and you're just saying yes to everything. 
And then as you move forward in your career, you're able to become a bit more uh, picky in the roles that you take and, and not even picky in, in saying yes or no as they come to you, but picky in terms of seeking them out and making relationships with certain types of writers, directors, producers that are creating some of the things that you want to be a part of. And, and I can honestly say that I've, I've really done that, especially in the last, you know, three, four years. Um, I've been very uh, particular in who I surround myself with and the types of creators that I want to work with because they, I know, are, go are going to be creating the type of content that I'm interested in being a part of. Well, um, you know, adding to, like, the Disney, um, you've also done religious-based um, soap operas. Um, you know, so really uh, uh, quite a diverse um, uh, roles so did you have a favorite um do you like dramas more than you know comedies or what's a soap opera like even oh man a soap opera uh is a lot of work and i have tremendous respect for any actor that has been a part of a soap opera i think soaps kind of get a bad rap because sometimes people turn them on and they're like oh that you know that's a cheesy moment or a cheesy line or this or that um, but soap actors are working incredibly hard. I remember I coming out of the pandemic. So I started filming September 1st of 2020 on Days of Our Lives. And it was my first job back after not working for whatever it was, six or eight months or however, however long that was because the entire entertainment industry was shut down. So I was already a bit rusty. I'm like, man, I haven't been on a, a set in six months. And then the first day back, you know, I'm, I'm, they're throwing me right in with these actors that have worked together for sometimes years and years and decades. And I was the new guy in town and I was this new character on the show. And to their credit, they welcomed me right away and they were so nice and so supportive. And I remember the first day I had seven pages and then the second day I had 12 pages and the third day I had 10 pages and the first week or two was pretty they were easing me into it and then I think by week three there was one day where I had 40 pages of dialogue that I was doing in one day and so we go there they shoot an episode a day it's insane how much they shoot and how quickly they move and so I had to show up on set with four, uh, 40 pages of scenes in my brain ready to go and you get one, maybe two takes, and that's it. And you move on, and you do the best you can. And I just remember that day was one of the hardest days I had ever had up to that point. Um, I, I remember driving to work and thinking to myself, well, this is the day that you might be fired. <laughs> you might not have a job after this. And, and, and I was like, and, and you're, I'm okay with that because 40 pages is insane. And I went there, and... I did the did the the scenes and it was a scene where I am essentially confronting my mother about why she never was there for me and I'm trying to have this new relationship with her and she you know in true soap opera fashion she likes my brother more than she likes me and he doesn't know I exist and neither does anybody else and it's the whole thing <laughs> and um, and we did it and and I worked with an actress named Tamara Braun uh, for the those scenes uh, and, and she was fantastic and she really created a space where we could play and really find some nice moments 
And and then driving home that day, I rolled my windows up, I turned my radio off in my car, and I drove home in silence. And I was like, I can't, my brain can't handle any other stimuli. For the rest of the day, I just had 40 pages of words in my brain. And I think I just went home and just like <laughs> went to bed. I was so tired. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. Um, but they didn't fire you, um, but they killed you, right? Like... Uh... <laughs> I oh yeah, they've killed that. me a few times. Yeah, yeah. I was I was on the show, and then they killed me, and and it wasn't anything where I was insulted by it. They, I knew that the character had a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, and the arc right. of that character. And the show writer, uh, the writer creator uh, Ron uh, Calavari, um, he uh, was he did an interview after that, and he said. I once I saw what Mike was bringing in his character, it was hard for me to accept the fact that he had to die. But we had to stick to the same storyline, and I, you know, his the um, the this character always had that to die because he was a bad guy and because of all these things that he did. And so, um, you know, I knew that that was his fate from day one. Um, but it really felt nice that um, that the that Ron uh, Carlovati acknowledged the fact that I brought a lot to it and, and did a good job. And the fans did too. The fans um, were very vocal on Twitter and, and other places because uh, soap fans are pretty, pretty adamant about what they yeah. like and dislike. And a lot of them, a lot of the response was my character on the show was his name was Charlie, uh, Charlie Dale. And they were like, Charlie, we, we don't like uh, your character. We don't like what you did, but we really like you, Mike, as an actor and, and we, we hope that they bring you back and we, you know, we love you. And we, the, the fan response was really, really nice. And so sure enough, uh, they kill me. And that was in, I think, March or April. And then um, six months later, Halloween rolls around. And so they bring me back for a Halloween episode where I rise from the grave and I'm this zombie <laughs> and I terrorize <laughs> some of the people in the town and in full zombie makeup and everything. And I do that for a couple episodes. And then I disappear, so they essentially they kill me again. And then um, the next Halloween, uh, they rose me from the dead again, <laughs> and uh, for a couple episodes to wreak some havoc. And then they killed me again. And then um, and then m- more recently, they uh, my mom, played by Tamara Braun, her name's Ava in the show. She starts going crazy and starts seeing her dead son, which is me in these she starts just seeing him and having conversations with him and it's sort of like what dexter did with michael c hall in the in uh when that show was on he would have conversations with his father and they weren't weird conversations his father didn't appear in a white sheet as a ghost and everything else it wasn't it was very grounded and very real and that's how it was for this show i would just appear and have conversations with my mom most of the time convincing her to do bad things because that's what I did (laughs) and then I would just disappear and I would go on my way so that was a lot of fun and and that was um the most recent I think it was like 14 episodes that I did um that's what I came back for is just to convince her to do bad things was it different um playing your character um dead um because you're like you're someone's mind I guess part of you is like 
well, all of you would be controlled by their mind, I guess, um, as mm-hmm. they're seeing yeah. you. Really yeah, exactly. It, yeah, exactly. So I played, in those moments, I played myself as I thought she would imagine me. So there were opportunities to just be a little bit more aggressive or a little bit meaner or a little bit more forceful because it was essentially how she was imagining me and and i and that was a an interesting exercise because i tend to as an actor try to bring emotion and 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 sensitivity to my character even if they're a bad guy doing bad things whenever i can and it was interesting because she wouldn't necessarily have done that if she were imagining me. So there were some scenes where I was, I really had to make sure that I took out all of the sensitivity and all the emotion. And it was very, just matter of fact, stating facts and trying to be that devil on her shoulder. And, and it was fun. And it, it, it helped me discover different aspects of the character that I hadn't really played with before. Yeah. I, I think that would be incredibly interesting to uh to have that opportunity. So that's, that's very cool. Um, you also had a, you know, part of your career as voiceovers. And um, I guess that you are uh, very talented with accents. So how did that interest um, come to or opportunity come to you? Yeah, that was uh, uh, right before COVID. I was my agent emailed me and said, Hey, they are dubbing a show called money heist. Um, it's a show out of Spain and it's, it's, um, like a bank robber show. And it was in Spain. It's called La Casa de Papel and they were dubbing it from Spanish to English. And it was at the time, I believe it was Netflix's most popular non-English show in the world. And it was doing really, really well all over the world. But for some reason, in America and in some English-speaking countries, uh, it wasn't doing well because people prefer to watch it in English. A lot of people in America, I think that's changing, but for a long time, people in the United States didn't like subtitles. So th- they said, "Hey, for some reason, you know, these sub- these this dubbing isn't catching on. We're going to hire actors that are not traditional voiceover actors, and we're going to try to redo it." and see what happens. And so they had us come in and we re-recorded season one, which was already out. And then uh, they released it and the ratings were really, really good. And Netflix says, wow, I think we're onto something here. So they, in the last five years, Netflix has really sort of revolutionized the dubbing voiceover space. And they asked me to come back and I did season two and then I did season three. And I played Denver. If anybody watch, listening watches that show, um, he, he Denver is sort of the the young hothead. And so I played Denver on that show. And then they asked me to do another show. So I did this show called Lupin out of France, and I did Spectros out of um, I think Brazil. And then I did uh, there's another show out of out of Spain. And then um, there was a show called um, oh, what is it called? Um, uh, I just did, oh, F- Generation 56K out of Italy. And, um, you know, th- there's now I think I've done a dozen of these shows. And it just became this sort of side hustle, this sort of side gig that I would go in and I would, I didn't have to get ready. I would just show up in my sweatpants and 
um, and and go and just try to match this character's emotion. And we would have a, a director working with us, so they would say, "Okay, now try this, try this, try this." And in my mind, it, it's it's one of my favorite things to do now. It's it's almost like actor gym. Like I go and I show up, and I don't really know the material. I know a little bit about the characters. I haven't seen the show because obviously it hasn't been released yet. And I'll go there and I'll watch the scene a couple times. I'll have a discussion with the director on the emotional beats and where the character is coming from. And then I'll just try to match their emotion as much as possible with my voice. And, and sometimes I'll like, if it's, an, if it's an action scene, I'll do a bunch of those moves like in the edit, in the sound bay. And I'll just try to, you know, you know, be out of breath or I'll, you know, whatever to get there and to make it as authentic as possible. And then other times I just have to do what I can to get there emotionally. So you know, I'll be laughing in, in one minute and I'll be crying a minute later and I'll be screaming a minute later. And it's really, really fun and really interesting because um, I've never experienced something like that where I just stand in a dark room with with headphones on trying to do all these emotions at the drop of a hat. Are the other characters, um, the voiceover actors, are they there? Are you recording at the same time or is that... Like, no, I'm by myself. I'm by myself in a dark room with the director on the other side of the room behind the glass and a TV screen in front of me with whatever we're recording over, and that's basically it. Wow. Well, that, again, is another you know, experience, I'm sure, that like when you are then back you know, acting um, in, like, as a, a character, not just a voice... I'm sure, like, all of these things are, like, really make you a better actor. Um, I think they do. I think that any day that you're on set or you're doing something creative or you're trying to tap in a different emotion, into a different emotion of your, in yourself and everything, I think they all, um, that all lends to becoming a better actor and fine-tuning your skills and, and your sort of your... I always think of it as adding, I'm really big into comics and I love, you know, Batman and Superman and, and all, you know, all those comics, mostly DC, but, um, but I, I think of it as adding another tool to your tool belt. Like Batman puts on his tool belt and he goes out to fight crime and he doesn't know which tool he's going to use that day, but he has it all on his tool belt. So whatever happens, he can just sort of pull from that. And that's what I think acting is. You don't, you show up to set and you don't really know which tool you're going to use that day. But the more that you can gather and the more uh, you can fine-tune what you're bringing to set as an actor, the better prepared you'll be to change things or try things or do things. And I think that's what will show authentically on camera. Yeah. So the accents that um, you've had a chance to use in your characters, um, how do you develop the accents? Like, do you have friends or you know um, do you have a lot of friends that um, you know have an accent southern Australian British uh, whatever the case might be that you could pick up on or how do you prepare well the first ever accent that I had on a TV show was a show called Crash and Bernstein on Disney XD, and I was playing an Australian foreign exchange student. And for that, my good friend at the time, we're still friends, 
his name, he's also an actor. His name's Lachlan Buchanan, and he's from Australia. And so I found out about the audition, and I said, hey, Lachlan, uh, can you help me out with this? I'll buy you dinner. You know, come just come to my place and, and help me read the script and really teach me how to speak with an Australian accent in a way that's going to be real. And I didn't think I was going to get the role, to be honest. I was just like, you know what? This is a fun opportunity. I can go in because I was auditioning against guys that were actually Australian and wow. <laughs> that's who they were. But I committed. So uh, he helped me out. And um, and so for the next three days, I would speak nothing but Australian. Uh, when my mom <laughs> would call me, I'd say, Mom, like, good day, how are you? And we'd speak nothing but Australian. And then um, when I was going into the casting office, I would say to the secretary, like, good day, how are you? And uh, for three days, it was just nothing but, like, Australian, just practicing and trying to get the accent down. And um, and that's and I ended up getting the role. Wow. <laughs> He, yeah, he's almost yeah. like Rick Cosnett there. Yeah. Bring back the memories. Um, we had him. Yeah, as a I think I've, I've been told that sometimes uh, it, my, my Australian accent bleeds into New Zealand, like Kiwi. Um, but I, <laughs> if I have enough time to, you know, prepare, then I, I try to uh, not let that happen. And it's funny because I've actually heard I'll be out and I'll hear people from New Zealand versus Australia and I can I can pick up which where they're from based on their accent, which I, I didn't used to be able to do that. But um, I've played. What did I do? Oh, another fun. Uh, another time where that actually came uh, was in my favor was when I did that Disney movie Cloud Nine. It was one of the biggest things I had done. And originally that role was for an Australian. They wanted somebody that would bring an accent to it. And so, again, for the entire casting process, every time I would go in there, I was speaking with an Australian accent. And uh, after, you know, the audition and then the callback and then the producer session, I was doing a chemistry read. And it was myself and the other actors in the room that were being cast. So it was me. It was Dove Cameron, who was already cast. It was Luke Benward, who was already cast. And I believe they were still going back and forth between Kiersey Clemens and somebody else. Um, but essentially I was the last sort of, of the four of the four leads to be cast. And I was speaking in Australian and the same casting directors were the casting directors that, uh, when they had me in, they had me in for, um, they, they had watched, they had worked at Disney. So they had seen crash and Bernstein. So when they called me in, they thought I was actually Australian. So speaking Australian for, for weeks and weeks during this process, I'm in the room and there is the director of the movie. There are two Disney executives. There's the writer of the script. There's the two casting directors. There's three assistants. There's the other actors. It's a full room of people. And we're doing the scene. And the casting director says, hey, Mike, I'm so sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna stop you there. Um, I think that we are going to change the role a bit. How is your American accent? <laughs> and I and I look at them and I say, "Well, it's fine." And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Everybody just stares at me and they're like, "Uh, wait a second, where are you from?" And I said, "Colorado." And uh and that was it. And I think that's what got me the job because I was able to I fooled them the whole time and uh and I was able to change at the drop of a hat and that's what you need on set. You need um 
actors that are not going to, if something changes and you have to shoot something or you have to do a scene a certain way, you're, you need actors that are not going to panic. And, and that is what, yeah, that's why they booked me. That is a really funny backstory. Um, <laughs> Matt, what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you were on a couple episodes of the wildly popular This Is Us. Is that true? Correct. Okay. So what is, like, what's the difference of filming something like that as opposed to doing days? I mean, you know, they're both sort of soap opera-ish. I mean, what was your experience with filming This Is Us versus filming Days? Yeah, so filming This Is Us versus filming Days, uh, they're both, at the time they were both on NBC. Now Mm -hmm. Days is on Peacock, I believe. Um, And unfortunately, This Is Us no longer exists. I was in the the sixth and final season for that show. Right. But working on a primetime show like This Is Us versus Days, um, we have more time to do things. And so I'll be on set and we'll shoot, you know, three scenes or two scenes maybe. Mm. Whereas on Days, you shoot an entire episode, 75 pages in a day. Right. Uh, with with a handful of other actors, and so it moves a lot slower, and and you're able to get more coverage, and the sets are a little bit more, um, you know, there there's just a little bit more uh, money behind it. So there are higher budget sets, there mm-hmm. there are more extras, there, you know, it just feels a bit more uh, authentic to real life. So you can try different things, and you can sort of um, play with the character a little bit more. Uh, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. It's all a bunch of, you know, a group of people that come together and agree that they're playing in the sandbox together and creating something. And they agree to the rules of the world. They agree to their characters. They agree to what's happening. And then the cameras roll and then you just see what happens and you see what you get. And sometimes it's magical and sometimes you go again (laughs) (laughs) and you go until you get what they need. And, uh, but I think both shows, for different reasons, were were pretty amazing. For yeah. This Is Us, I really liked it because it was more of a comedic character. Even though the show in and of itself was a drama, I got to play the Manny. So it was a character that Justin Hartley, um, he, he plays a guy named Kevin on the show. And Kevin, in the earlier seasons, his sort of backstory was that he's an actor and he was on this show called The Manny. Mm-hmm. And it was a show where... Um, he essentially was a male nanny and he would take care of these kids <laughs> and his shirt would always end up off and he would take his shirt off and you, you, you'd see a six pack and then people would laugh and it was a sitcom. And so when I joined the show, I was the new Manny. They were doing a reboot of this sitcom where Justin Hartley was now hired as the dad instead of the Manny. And uh. I was the new Manny. And so most of my scenes were with Justin and we were sort of just joking around and having fun. And, and that was really cool because he's a, a really nice guy and um, it was great to work with. Hmm. Uh, I read somewhere that you've won a couple Emmys. Is that true? Yeah. Congratulations. I did. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you very awesome. Much. Thank you. Yeah. Are yeah, they... it was it was a big surprise. I did not expect that to happen. Uh, both Emmys were for a show called The Bay. Mm-hmm. That is on Amazon and Peacock 
and Popstar TV. And the first Emmy was for producing in season five. And then the second Emmy was for best supporting actor in season six. So that's a show that, um, and in that show, I play a very different character than I did in Days of Our Lives, a very different character than um, than the movie that um, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about The Way Out. Um, yeah. I, th- in that character on the Bay, I play sort of a teacher that uh, moves to town and then ends up having like this romantic fling with a friend of his. And, and, and that was really fun because it was uh, the complete opposite of, of what I was doing on days where um, on days I was creating chaos on this show. I was sort of bringing people together and being the nice guy and the supportive friend and everything else. So it was, it was nice um, to be filming sort of both of those characters and, um, and to playing, opposite ends of the spectrum like that cool so tell us uh about the way out how did you get involved with that project and uh um yeah so tell us how yeah how it came about yeah so the way out uh is a film that is coming out it'll be out everywhere digitally uh, february 10th on i believe it's um it's a platform called Deco, and then it's on Amazon, Apple, Tubi, Google Play, all that sort of thing. Uh, all those, those those places. So um, I found out about the project through a friend of mine who is a producer on the film, Nick Thur, and he and I had worked together on a film called Slapface back in 2019, and he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So he found the script, and he was working with Barry J, the writer-director on the script, and he sent it to me and I had some thoughts and I said, Hey man, I think this script is, is trying to do too much. I think we should cut back on this. Like, um, as a friend, here are my notes and, and there you go. Um, good luck. <laughs> and to their credit, uh, he and Barry, a couple months later, they came back to me with the script and they had made a bunch of the changes. I said, wow, this is really interesting. Like, I really love what you guys did with this. Um, okay, cool, great, like, good job. And Barry calls me a week later, and he said, hey, Mike, uh, I have been thinking a lot about this, but I think that I want you to be Shane. And my initial reaction was fear, (laughs) because (laughs) it is a very intense character, and it is a very intense world, and it's a world full of themes of, of violence and revenge and abuse and everything else. And so I was like, wow, like, do I really want to get into this headspace and, and to be this character? And so I said, Barry, thank you so much for asking me. Let me think about it. And I took the the next, I took that day and I, I thought about it. I said, I'll call you tomorrow. I thought about it and um, I called him tomorrow on it, or the next day. And I said, yes, I'll do it. Uh, I will be this character. I said, on one condition, I really want to work hard to find the humanity in him and make him a three-dimensional character rather than just a movie villain where Mm -hmm. he does bad things and that's his only purpose and barry said absolutely of course like i I absolutely want you to to do that and to bring those elements to shane and to barry's credit he was very collaborative all the way through from start to finish i never felt like i was being ignored or that my opinions were not being considered when I was talking to him about Shane and, um, and I think that shows, I think, I think it shows on the screen 
Uh, it is a film that explores really dark themes and, um, and you know, has elements of, of revenge and violence and, you know, all those mm-hmm. things. But I do also think at the end of the day, especially with my character, you understand where that hurt and that pain comes from. It's because your character, um, as I understand it, is supposed to be... So um, there's a young man that's been, I guess, abused, it seems like, uh, you know, all of his life by his father. And um, then the father unexpectedly dies and he and the son inherits the house and the debts. And so uh, rents out rooms and your character is one that um, comes into the house that way and uh, instead of having i mean so you, your character has the opportunity to be a good influence i guess um but perhaps kind of yeah i mean <laughs> yeah we, we can say good influence loosely so so he <laughs> alex johnny buchamp plays uh alex and i play shane and so Alex, his father dies, and he inherits his house. And in order to keep the house, he has to find a roommate. So he finds a roommate in my character, Shane. And Alex, in the beginning of the movie, is very meek and insecure. And he is a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, he's he's just trying to piece his life together. And my character comes in, and in the beginning, things are great. Uh, I, I say, I teach him how to box. I teach him how to work out. I, I, I teach him, you know, I talk to him about how you know, alcohol isn't going to fix his problems and he needs to learn how to stand up for himself. And it, 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 you think things are going well. And then they take a dark turn when you realize that my character is, um, how do I say this without making, making it a spoiler? I am seeking <laughs> revenge on people that have abused other people and have gotten away with it. So, uh, it's pretty, it, it's pretty dark and and you you see the ends that shane my character will go to to achieve that revenge and then you know i I don't i won't ruin the ending but that's essentially what the film is about the thing i like about the film is it examines these deep layers of like you said the the abuse but both characters have been abused when they were younger um and, and johnny's character alex he copes he coped with that by turning to you know, alcohol and, and possible drug abuse and everything else. And my character went the other way. So, so so Johnny's character hurts himself. My character hurts the world. He learns how to train. He learns how to fight. And he learns how to stand up for himself. And he hurts. He takes his trauma out on other people. So it's two characters that experience certain things. And they deal with it two very different ways. So for the viewers watching it, um, if they are the one that's been abused or if they've been the abuser themselves, um, what do you think um, the message will they'll take away from that might be? Well, I think the message is, number one, it's a cautionary tale to not let your abuse define you. And just because you are abused... It doesn't mean that that is who you are. It's a thing that happened to you and you can pick yourself up and you can move past it and you can find, quote unquote, the way out. So I think that is the, the main message. Um, I think the other message is that uh, it's, a, it's a cautionary tale. If 
abuse does happen or something bad happens in your life and you don't talk to people and you don't seek help and you try to keep it all bottled up inside, then it could manifest itself in very dark, awful ways. And so I think that it, you know, it's a reminder to all of us to communicate and to find ways to work past abuse and to find ways to um, talk to people and be there for people emotionally and everything else to not let situations of abuse or whatever ruin our our lives uh, do you like movies that uh, address these um social issues because i really do like those kind but they can be i do yeah I, I i do both as an actor and as a producer so i also have a production company and traditionally i started in documentaries so producing was never something that i intended on doing uh, it's so, it was sort of something that found me and I randomly, um, found out about this documentary that was happening and I ended up being involved and we ended up selling it to Showtime and, um, it came out around the same time that Disney movie that I was telling you about came out. So overnight, you know, I had some press come out that was like, oh, Disney actor is a social cause documentary producer <laughs> and people started reaching out to me to produce these documentaries and, and which was a blessing. So I started producing these documentaries and exactly what you're talking about. I fell in love with producing film that have has, has a certain social message to it. And, and they were many different uh, messages. There was one documentary I produced that was uh, featured Halle Berry and Rosario Dawson and John Bon Jovi. And we interviewed all of them for our film and it was fantastic. And it was a film about youth homelessness. And I worked with a director that had been previously homeless himself and it was great. And it was a great experience for me. Um, the other film that I was mentioning earlier in this chat, uh, called Slapface. that film, if you go and watch Slapface, it has every thing that you would want in terms of a thriller. If you turn it on and you want to have a thriller, like a, a monster that lives in the woods, with, and this little boy befriends this monster and you know that's all you know about the movie then you're going to get you're going to get everything that you want in terms of that escapism and those scares and everything out of a thriller but at its core the movie has a strong anti-bullying message to it and that is the stuff that i like to produce i like to produce content that is commercial and i, I never want to have the audience feel tricked so i never want to you know, feel like, like they're going to see one thing and I try to, you know, hit them over the head with a theme. But I do like to infuse the stories that I tell with certain themes and messages in ways that feel organic and in ways that the, that don't take away from that escapism and, and those characters and everything else that the audience expects when they go see the movie. Well, these are certainly um, the types of things that I enjoy. So I, I am glad that um, that you have become involved. Uh, you know, it seems like in a way by fate, um, you know, that um, that you were able to um, produce uh, more and more things that address issues that are important and make the world uh, more aware which is kind of like the same thing you wanted to do when you went on the real world. Um, so I guess it's a full circle in a way. 
Yeah, it, it really is. I think that I, what real world was for me is I really feel like it was the universe picking me up and putting me back on the train tracks that I was supposed to be on. And I think at my core, ever since I was little, I've always loved story and I've always loved using story to communicate certain things. And I was doing it, like you said, without even knowing it on the real world. And then I moved to Hollywood to pursue acting and I started doing it unknowingly, producing these documentaries. And now I'm doing it, you know, by choosing certain acting roles and by um, writing certain scripts or by finding certain scripts to produce. And and you're right. I think I think it does. It has come full circle, and it is something that continues to be really important to me. And I honestly think that that it sounds kind of corny, but I think that that is what I was built to do. Yeah, it does sound like it from your story. So it's fascinating. I, I really have enjoyed having you as a guest and and hearing all about these layers of you because there's definitely more than you know, just the actor that we see on screen. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to hear more about you. Um, Matt, do you have you. any Thank you for having closing? Me. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I saw that you have like, I don't know, probably 15 or so projects in the works. Uh, anything that you want to talk about uh, with those or do you want to wait to come back on another episode and talk about it then <laughs> yeah i mean i would love to talk on another episode about um okay about some of those things when i have more info but yeah there's there's a lot of uh exciting projects i have coming out next year oh, no not next year this year yeah we're in 2023 already <laughs> yeah. uh this year so um yeah there's there's a romantic comedy I'm, i i have coming out there's an action movie i did with randy couture I have coming out season seven of the Bay uh, just posted and that's on um, Peacock and, and Amazon and, and Puffstar TV. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to continue to create content that uh, people that follow me, anybody that's a fan is going to enjoy. And, and I would love to be back to talk to you about those when I have more info. You are certainly a busy man from what I see. <laughs> uh, well, I try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so come back anytime. Uh, I know you have to get going, and we really appreciate your time with us. And uh, yeah, some really good insight into your thought process with acting and uh, some of the roles you've been in. And uh, it's been really, really interesting for sure. Thank you very much, Matt. And uh, Kat, also, it's been a pleasure talking to you both. And um, I look forward to next time. All right. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at IWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at Gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.